0: I, I did the fucking uh, I did a personal trainer. I, I worked I worked in a with a personal trainer the other day to to because I wanted to make sure I was doing everything right with my squats because I got fucking cause they dude they literally start calling me Johnny Hipscry at the fucking gym because of my fucking the teardrops below above my kneecaps. Um and so and someone goes, Huh, Johnny Hipscry? I'm like, what, dude? Come on, man. And they're like, Well your fucking legs are what the fuck? I thought maybe a horse was galloping by, and I go, no, 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 it's me. So i just making sure that when I fucking load the bar up on my back that I was dipping correctly. Turns out i dipping correctly. Do you know why? Because I have good posture. I have really good posture, and I know that. Sometimes my posture is too much the other way. Sometimes my posture is so good my the back of my head is per, is fucking perpendicular with the ground, and I'm looking up to the heavens. I'm trying to look where they're fucking where the rings are attached. But um, yeah, and then people are like, "Why is your posture so good? It looks like you're you're facing the sky." And I always say, "Because I I always want to see what Jesus is up to." Because I'm very religious, and so and so, but I have really good posture, and the reason why I have really good posture is because um my my dad would always um my dad would always be like hey stand up straight he'd always be like hey and hit me on the back of the head really lightly not child abuse and be like stand up straight and i'd be like what okay so now i fucking look like i walk around like i'm in a marvel movie dude cuz you have to dude that's who you are and it's a vulnerable position too people are like oh you're trying to fucking be alpha no i'm not I go like this, here's my chest man Stab me if you need I'm vulnerable baby, this is life Stab me in the front It's a vulnerable f- position dude Walking around like this You walk around like this Not vulnerable You walk around like this, that's when, you're in sec- that's when you're insecure dude You're meek Walk around with your fucking chest out Let people stab you if they want And then look at them in their eyes and just say I hope you enjoyed this It's life baby Uh.
1: D-Day June 6th, 1944 The D-Day invasion of Normandy took a tremendous amount of coordination to pull off from the Allied stronghold of Britain which was one of the few European territories not under Adolf Hitler's control. Germany had effectively conquered the mainland in 1940, and the Allies needed to take some of it back in order to defeat the Nazis. D-Day was a pivotal moment in the Second World War, when thousands of British, American, and Canadian soldiers stormed the beaches of Normandy to gain a foothold in Nazi-controlled Europe on June 6, 1944. Happy d day anniversary, my friends. Hmm? Hmm? My British friends, my American friends. Happy D-Day anniversary. My goodness. I am so happy I've never had to and probably will never have to participate in any kind of war like that. Don't you ever think that? Sometimes I see these anniversaries for these events that took place in history, and I just think, man, there were 18-year-old kids who were enlisted into the service. 18 years old. 18 fucking years old. This is great, too, because I'm actually watching that Man in the High Castle show now as well. So... I got that real Nazi feel going on, on my end, you know? (laughs) The terror, the horror, can you fucking imagine? No, we can't. We can't imagine any of that shit. And we think we're tough. I can't get over this. I can't get over it. A great point that a friend of mine made yesterday was that like, well, you know, the times are different. If violence is going to decrease, people are probably going to be more sensitive to it when it happens. I suppose. I suppose so. I guess so. (laughs) I just wanted to disagree to be rude. Because I do that sometimes. You ever do that? You ever disagree with people just to be a contrarian, a contrarian? you ever do that, my friends? I definitely do. Speaking of my friends, (laughs) talking about you guys, thank you out there for all the lovely comments and feedback that I've been getting. You know, it's a nice change to see nice comments. It's very nice. I appreciate it. Thank you. I've been getting the suggestion to upload to iTunes and a various other number of platforms, and I'll have you know that that was my plan this weekend. But uh, guess who fucked that up? <laughs> oh me, a oh, me, I did. hmm. So perhaps this weekend I can do a little bit of, 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 of focusing on that. You know, I have such a squirrel brain you have that problem? You have that problem where you start doing something and then your brain's like, oh, now this other thing. It is so frustrating, <laughs> but we make do. Um, I'm definitely going to look into doing that. I am going to do that. So it will be available <clears throat> there, hopefully by the weekend. I actually had a friend of mine who was like, can you please get on iTunes so I can listen to you while I drive? Like, it would just be so much easier. Because otherwise you'd have to open the YouTube app and do that whole thing. And that's not fun. I mean, YouTube does, YouTube does have this thing now where you can pay to use it. And you can use the app like any other app. And exit it. And work on other things on your phone. But, um, I'm not paying for YouTube. (laughs) Go away, YouTube. If you weren't getting suckier all the time, I'd definitely pay for you. So, what's really cool that I'm looking at right now is this D-Day by the hour. A timeline of Operation Overlord in Normandy. Ugh, history was my favorite subject in high school. I did very well. Um, I haven't really read any of this stuff. and My memory is incredibly poor when it comes to recall. But uh, I always remember people being like, Yo, well, Canada was there, okay? Canada was there for this one. And I was like, Pff. People were like, You know, Canadians are great heroes. And I'm like, Pshh. Yeah, they showed up last minute. (laughs) Thanks, Canada. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm thankful to our troops, and I'm thankful for everybody who helped defeat the Nazis. Because I'm telling you, watching that man in the high castle and trying to imagine what the world would have been like if Nazi Germany had won the war... Japan? Oof. I know it's just a show, but the way that they they are presenting this hypothetical scenario to me, it just feels so real. That constant tension. Dude, you cannot, at that time, no way were you going to share something with Germany without there being lots of tension. So much tension. I couldn't even imagine And this is just a show, and it's just acting. But if Japan and Germany sliced up America amongst themselves, I mean, there's a reason they got a neutral zone, right? There is a reason. June 5th, 1944. The original D-Day. The Allies originally planned to invade Normandy on June the 5th. However, U.S. General Dwight Eisenhower, the Allied Supreme Commander, decides to postpone the invasion by 24 hours due to poor weather conditions. Eisenhower worries the weather will be a problem for the Allied landing ships when they cross the English Channel. Ooh... The Allies have a massive force of troops, planes, and ships gathered in Britain, but they conceal their invasion plans by deploying dummy armies throughout the UK to threaten other German targets across the water. They set up fake tanks and stage fake radio chatter at several points, including Dover, which is across the water from German-held Pas-de-Calais. The Ruse convinces the Germans that Calais is the Allies' true target. June 5th, 10 p.m. Approximately 7,000 ships leave Britain under the cover of darkness. The ships are loaded with Allied troops, primarily from Britain, the United States, and Canada. The soldiers are split up to invade five landing points along the coast of northern France, each with its own code name. <coughs> The U.S. Army is assigned to Utah and Omaha beaches. The British are tasked with taking gold and sword beaches, and the Canadians draw Juno Beach. (coughs) Oh, wow, look at this. That night, Eisenhower pens a morbid note announcing the invasion is a failure, just in case he needs it. Ooh, If any blame or fault attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone, he writes, underlining the last two words. He mistakenly dates the note July 5th and tucks it away in a drawer, hoping never to use it. (sighs) No woman could do that job. You gotta be fucking ruthless. Well, I shouldn't say no woman. I couldn't. I'm projecting myself onto women generally, but I couldn't imagine it. We are the givers of life, not the commanders of those whose lives will be taken. You know, it, seemed, it just seems so counterintuitive to, to being nurturing and stuff. I could never do that. I could never imagine the immense pressure the immense pressure and stress involved in these situations. You know, we're so lucky. We'll never, ever experience anything like this. We'll never know what it's like to leave our families. I mean, some of you out there might know. Um, I just don't think it would be to the same extent. World War Two was fucking (laughs) insane it gets taken for granted that there was just a number of years where people were suffering and just dying on mass and getting killed and gassed and fucked up blown the fuck out (sighs) fucking crazy shit June 6th, 12 a.m. Allied aircraft arrive in Normandy. Bombers start bombarding the coastline, while personnel carriers fly inland to drop off squads and par- of paratroopers. The paratroopers attack bridges and seize several key points to cut off the Nazi supply lines. Several paratrooper groups land on the beaches and begin chipping away at the heavily fortified coastal defenses. Many others are scattered across the countryside, making them slow to get into position. 1 a.m. The German Navy detects Allied ships off Pas-de-Calais. The ships are part of the feint to distract from the Allies' true target in Normandy. Allied warships drop anchor off the coast of Normandy to wait for dawn and provide cover for the landing ships. 2 a.m to 4am. The Allies continue to drop paratroopers into France, with more than 13,000 deployed by morning. An additional 4,000 troops fly in on gliders. Approximately 450 members of the 1st Canadian Parachute Battalion are among the paratrooper force. Some of the paratroopers die in crash landings or drown in flooded fields. The Germans notice the paratrooper invasion and begin to scramble a response, although they don't yet fully grasp the scope of the invasion. 5 a.m. Allied battleships start firing on the Nazi defenses while the first landing ships head ashore. German and Allied ships clash in the first skirmishes at sea. 6 a.m. The sun rises, and the landing operation is fully underway. The Allied battleships stop firing as their landing boats approach the shore at 6.30 a.m., dubbed H-hour, for the designated moment of the invasion. German forces pepper the landing boats with gunfire, killing scores of Allied troops before they can reach the beach. The landing ships are tightly packed together, and they suffer heavy casualties under the German assault. Nevertheless, the Allies manage to land their troops and the fight for the beaches begins. 7 a.m. The Allies deploy amphibious tanks on the beaches of Normandy to support the ground troops and sweep for defensive mines. 8 a.m. American troops face heavy machine gun fire on Omaha Beach, the most heavily fortified landing point of the invasion. Approximately 2,500 U.S. soldiers are killed on the beach in the bloodiest fight of the day. 9 a.m. Eisenhower announces the invasion has begun in a communique to soldiers. You are about to embark upon the Great Crusade, towards which we have striven these many months, Eisenhower writes. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. (sighs) That shit gives me goosebumps. That gives me goosebumps. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. No pressure, guys. Everybody's watching you, though. (laughs) The Allied forces send a separate communique announcing the invasion to the media. Under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces supported by strong air forces began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France, the brief communique says. 11 a.m., American troops turn the tide of battle at the Omaha landing point, with warships backing them up at sea. This is a cool article. I will make sure I put it in the description for you. Because there are some really fucking cool black and white photos. And it just has a feel to them. It just has a feel to them. There's something captured in these black and white photos, these old photos from the war, that just have a haunting characteristic. Um, I have seen a tank in real life, um, but it was it's like on, on the side of the street outside. I, it's meant to commemorate something. It says it's a real tank from the Second World War, and they're pretty cool looking. Um but they don't have the same feel as seeing all these, all this machinery um, just sitting in the ocean, these huge fucking naval ships and these tanks. and It's just really crazy. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine getting in one of these things and just going to battle. And just going to battle... Jeez, yo. (laughs) War. 12 p.m. on June the 6th of 1944. British Prime Minister Winston Churchill informs UK Parliament that the invasion is underway and it's going well. So far, the commanders who are engaged report that everything is proceeding according to plan. And what a plan, Churchill says. This vast operation is undoubtedly the most complicated and difficult that has ever taken place. After sleeping through the morning, Adolf Hitler wakes up and learns of the attack. He remains convinced the landings are a decoy and that the real invasion will come at Calais. Calais? Calais. He refuses to reassign his army to defend Normandy. 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Canada's force of 14,000 troops takes Juneau Beach and presses inland. British and American forces, including those at Omaha, take control of their beaches as well. The Allies bring in tanks, tend to the wounded, and clear away mines on the beaches. They also start pressuring German forces at Cain, a city, a key city in the area. Seine? C-A-E-N. Cayenne? Je ne sais pas mon ami je ne sais pas hitler finally agrees to send reinforcements to normandy rather than waiting for an assault at calais 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 i don't know guys i'm sure someone will correct me if you want to correct me correct correct me 9 p.m allied reinforcements from britain arrive in Normandy. Ground troops link up with the paratroopers further inland and press on towards Sion, Cain, Jesus Christ, Amy. However, the city does not fall until July 10th. 12 a.m. At least 4,000 Allied soldiers are killed in the initial attack, including 359 Canadians. However, The invasion ultimately prevails, and the German forces are either killed, captured, or forced to withdraw to Cain. Cyan. I don't know, guys. (laughs) The Allies have won the day and taken their first step towards liberating Europe. They continue to ferry troops and equipment across the Channel, and by the end of June, the Allies have more than 850,000 men, 148,000 vehicles, and 570,000 tons of supplies in France. These forces allow them to march across western Europe, freeing allied nations and driving the Germans back to Berlin, while the Soviets do the same from the east. Hitler dies by suicide during the siege of Berlin on April 30th, 1945, 10 days after his birthday. The Germans surrender a week later, on May the 8th. And there, was the end of the war. Can you imagine the elation and the joy and and the celebration when this happened? If I could go back in time to any time period and I could just kind of hover above the earth in a spacesuit and kind of watch things play out in a cool way, and could like zoom into specific countries to watch, it would be like the, the entire earth was a movie theater, and space was where people sit to watch it, and I'd just be floating in this astronaut suit, and I would just zoom into different parts of the world during the second world war, it's such an interesting time, it's such a huge and pivotal moment in our history, and it's uh, it's bloody, and it's terrifying, and there was so much loss, but in the long term, so much has been gained. Even through all the fucked up shit that happened during World War II, the world saw the nastiness of humanity again, you know, we saw it in the first world war, we've seen it throughout our history with torture and all these crazy things that we do and engage in all these dark behaviors, you know, we we have a propensity to kill men, with other men, especially, I think that uh, violence and war are an intrinsic part of our history, I think tribes engage in warfare right? Um, we do this on an individual level, not in a in a warfare sort of way, but we're always looking out for ourselves, as you should, but then when you have a group or a tribe, you're going to do what is going to serve the group or the tribe, and a lot of the time, there's just competition. Competition is in our nature. How that plays out, whether it's war or sports or Whatever thing that you're engaged in where you're against somebody else, it's a good thing to exercise. Healthy competition is good. Healthy competition prevents stuff like World War II. <laughs> I think. I think that we're doing much better now because we found ways to assuage our warlike nature. You know, we found ways to curtail having to go to war for resources or whatever. We found ways to do that. It's, uh, The economy, international trade, and uh, engaging in competitive sports. But here's a crazy thing about fucked up stuff, like the world wars, or any of the things that we've seen in our history. And that is, well, what is it, Amy? I don't know, guys, because my brain just went... because that's what happened. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here's the point. All the fucked up things that have happened, all the stories that we've heard, all the terror and the horrors that have been passed along the timeline to us, for us to be aware of some of the things these people went through, of the, of the plans and all the, the planning and the everything, just everything. Everything that happened with Nazi Germany, Hitler. We learned how not to behave. Nazi Germany was a great example to the world. Wanted to be a great example to the world of how to be. But we got very big lessons and that was how not to be. And the world is always showing us how we shouldn't be. Because there are behaviors out there that are just so obviously bad, you know, that are masked or have a veneer on top of them of appearing beautiful and shiny. But below the surface, there's festering rot. And sometimes you don't recognize this until some time has passed. This probably would never have worked with the internet. I don't think so. I'd like to be... I'd like a counterpoint to that. Do you think this would have gone down easier? If they had the internet the way that they do... The way that we do now? Yo, could anybody even keep secrets? (laughs) Someone would have snitched on Hitler a long time ago. Imagine... Oh my goodness. I imagine... Just someone from the office sending a text message. (laughs) If you take some things from now and you overlay them, you know, um, just superimpose some of today's shit on top of World War II. Like, can you imagine Hitler sending texts? Oh my God, can't wait (laughs) to invade Poland today. Tee hee hee. (laughs) Churchill texting Eisenhower like oh my god I'm so nervous I'm like literally shaking right now send whoop (laughs) (laughs) oh that shit would be really funny I just like picturing old stately men talking like valley girls through text message about war I think that's so funny and I just thought of that now—just <laughs> like sending each other iMessages and stuff. Oh my God! Can we use WhatsApp? You know it's encrypted, right? We probably shouldn't be using the Apple network to discuss our our excitement over our war plans. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess so. WhatsApp is better; it is encrypted. Makes sense, right? <laughs> My goodness well at any rate happy d-day anniversary i hope we never forget this date we won't i like that there's articles that come out and i love i love it i really really enjoy when everybody comes together over war <laughs> that we fought and remembers hey man If they can do it, if they can work together, any of us can, okay? Imagine the coordination required. Imagine how many people you need to make sure listen to you to get something done like that. I mean, in a sense, in a sense, the army is very impressive. It's very impressive to be able to command a bunch of people like that. Dude, who wants to listen to anybody? I mean, but I do feel like a lot of the time people who join the army are looking for some kind of discipline and some kind of structure to an intense level, because you can't play. That's not a place to play at all. They're very disciplined, and they're very strict, and they're very measured, and everything is precise, and everything needs to be done a certain way, and everybody needs to do things a certain way. And that's how they made it work. That's how they made it work. You cannot coordinate big moves like this without a lot of cooperation. And they had that. And I think it's interesting. I would love to, to see that in action. I would actually love to see what it was like to train soldiers back in the day. Um, I have a lot of World War II DVDs and stuff. It is my favorite time period it is my favorite time period. I find it very interesting, more interesting than the cons and more interesting than World War I, even though World War I was a bit of a catalyst, of course, in a way. Um, but I just find it interesting. And all I have in those videos is a lot of, of footage of the battle itself, the black and white stuff. <laughs> I would have liked to see something different, you know, like up close and personal stuff. There was a really cool show on Netflix um, that was about the Nazi Reich. Yo, I went through this phase. I went through this phase. It's confession time. In which I really just fell in love with the German Reich. Because it was just so evil and interesting. Interesting. It's so interesting to learn about what the country was like and learn about how people responded to the, the level of hatred coming from this man and just the crazy ideas that he had that were even more creepily based in science, you know, like the, the idea of eugenics, which, by the way, was not German initially. It was an American thing. Dude, sterilization started in America. America was all about sterilizing people that they thought were retarded or that they thought wouldn't produce viable offspring as a means to prevent any retardation or any, any breast defects or anything like this. You know, they would, like, assess people in weird ways and decide, no, you need to be sterilized. hmm Nice one, America. And then Germany just loved the idea. Germany just loved it. They're like, oh shit, this is a great idea. We can make superhuman babies. (laughs) Very cool stuff. Very horrifying stuff. There's a lot of creepy stuff going on during the Second World War. And the more information that I've become privy to, like just being obsessed with this stuff, I remember I just went through all these Third Reich documentaries on Netflix. Yo, they have a lot of stuff. And I got to tell you, there's something very disturbing. Internal agitation at actually seeing Hitler. Seeing him give a speech. You ever seen that man give a speech? He's crazy. You know, it's not like listening to Winston Churchill give a speech. Or Dwight Eisenhower. It's just not. He shakes. He's erratic. He's very... He comes off, I guess, if you're watching it and he's your leader and people are cheering. Comes off very strong. He seems like he knows what he's talking about. He's so strong in his conviction that it's convincing to people that, hey... This man may be onto to something. No, this man has a bloodlust. and all of you are playing his game. all of you. Imagine being employed at Auschwitz, and you're just taking a lunch break from the daily schedule of gassing people and shooting them in the head and Unreal. Can you, can you take a moment to put yourself in somebody else's shoes like that? It gives me the goose pimples. It gives me the heebie jeebs. The heebs, yo. The heebs. Gives me the heebie-jeebies. I get right creeped out when I start thinking about this shit. I get right creeped out when I start thinking about just a bunch of people in a chamber being gassed to death or just a line of people just on their knees, hands tied in front of them bag over their head firing squad It makes me uneasy. But you know what? I'm thankful to the people of the past who had to put up with this shit for me to have the life that I have now. And it's fantastic. It's fantastic. We never really appreciate the things that people went through in the past for us to have the lives that we do now. I feel like all we hear about are the complaints and all the grievances about stuff that honestly is not really a problem. It's not as much of a problem as the the major things that have taken a turn over the last 50 years or whatever since the war. What is it? 44? I don't want to do math right now. But we're so lucky. We're so lucky. Hopefully we will never see war the likes of this in our lifetime because it just seems like such a horrifying experience for everybody, you know? People who have to leave their families and waiting at home and not knowing if dad or dad's gonna come back or horrifying. Horrifying. I'm such a sucker for those videos where where like the soldiers are coming back to their kids and they show up at school and stuff and their kids just drop what they're doing and run to their dad and give them a hug. Oh, it's just so sweet. It's just so sweet. I couldn't imagine the feeling of just relief and the joy. Imagine that day. That day, May, no, sorry. May May 8th, when the Germans surrender, because they're getting DP'd by Russia on the Eastern Front, and then by Britain, America, and Canada. On the other I wonder what would have happened if the winter wasn't so insane in Russia that year or that at that time obviously you think they would have made it you think the Germans would have made it cuz I don't think the Russians were very ready were they or were they I can't remember my memory is failing me this early in the morning Man, I need to do that. I think this weekend might be a time for some World War II catch up. You know, catch up. Catch up time. Catch up time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, that's it. <laughs> some news in Winnipeg. I Sorry, I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate that it was D Day. Did you not get that from the first half an hour of my rambling? Ruh, 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 rambling, rambling. British passengers jailed after drunken and loudish behaviour that forced plane landing in Winnipeg. Four men are behind bars in England after forcing a plane bound for Las Vegas to make an emergency landing in Winnipeg. All right, so you guys remember that conduct thing I was talking about? Come on, people. This is a problem? We have people getting arrested because they're being too rude on planes? The, The most annoying place to deal with rude people is a fucking airplane. So if you ruin a flight, and if you're the kind of person who has caused a flight to land, you're a fucking asshole, that is so inconsiderate. There are other people on that plane who have somewhere to go and somewhere to be. They've got plans. And now what you've done is you fucked all their plans. And not only that, they had to make an emergency landing in Winnipeg? Doug, have you ever been to Winnipeg? Winnipeg is the shithole of Canada. All right? It's not a nice place. It's gross there. And they had to land in Winnipeg? She The men were sentenced Tuesday for behavior the Greater Manchester Police described as drunken and loutish on the March 2018 flight. Police said the men who were on their way to a Vegas bachelor party began drinking heavily vaping on the plane, and intimidating other passengers and flight crew. Wow. Vaping is super annoying, isn't it? And I know, I did this. I was a, I was vaping for a while, because I enjoyed it. I like the big, big, big clouds of smoke. But on an airplane... How mentally handicapped does one have to be to not understand that vaping on a plane is probably not the best thing to do because you're in a closed space and there are other people who are very close to you around you? Hmm? This is so fucking rude. I can't even handle it. I can't handle this rude shit. There is a very important thing that everybody needs to get on board with and that's called common courtesy when you're in a public space. It is not your fucking space, dude. You are sharing space with other people. Have some consideration. Have some manners. There are other people who have their comfort issues as well and I'm pretty sure no one wants to sit in a plane with your fucking clouds dog oh my god these people upset me things that in my head I'm like I don't even need to think about this because it's so fucking obvious why would I need to Why would I even need to double consider my conduct on a plane? I don't, because I'm not a fucking idiot. I'm going to quietly board that plane. I'm going to sit in my seat like a proper person. And anything that I do on that plane is going to stay within that little cubic zone that I'm sitting in. Okay? Except during takeoff and landing, because you best believe I'm holding on to the handles of the seat because I'm terrified of takeoff and landing. That's the only time I'm invading anyone's space. Other than that, keep to yourself. Even if you're with people on a plane, mind the level of volume of your conversation. It's crazy coming from me because I'm a loud person. I'm a loud person. But even I can manage to behave on a plane. And you can't? You rude fucking British men. Four of you. Adult males causing havoc on a flight like that, where they have to land. I would be so fucking pissed off if I was on that plane and had to land and have my plans fucked up because of these hooligans. These hooligans, these are probably like soccer hooligans. That that soccer hooligan behavior, I got to tell you, it is not a good look. It is not a good look. And it's so well known too. Soccer hooligan behavior. <sighs> on the way to a bachelor party, three of them dropped their trousers and exposed themselves to other people on the plane, police said. Ooh. This is some low class shit. Ooh. Doesn't that make you uncomfortable when people behave like that? It's like, where's the civil- civility? Do we not live in civilization? Do we not live in civilization? What is going on here, people? Showing your genitals to the fucking pol- the plane crew and everybody on there. Why? Because they're drunk and belligerent. And somehow they thought that being on a plane and being drunk and belligerent is a good thing. If you are having a bachelor party... Wait till you're off the plane to do the drinking, perhaps. It's like people who are reckless on the road, you know. It's not all about you. You're not the only person on the road. Your life is not the only life that is at risk at any given point when you're on the road. Same with on a plane. It isn't about you, okay? People really suck at functioning in these large groups that should be cohesive, even for a temporary amount of time, just so that a flight can get from point A to point B. You can't wait for like 8 to 10 to 12 hours, whatever your flight was, it probably wasn't even that long, and behave for a little bit, just a little bit. No, it's that difficult, huh? How upsetting. I would be very bothered if I was sitting on this goddamn plane. The actions of these four men were appalling. Their behavior was intimidating and frightening for both the passengers unfortunate enough to be sat near them as well as the crew who made every possible attempt to reason with them as the flight continued, said Manchester Detective Constable Brad Howarth. It's very, very difficult, um, I imagine, especially in the air, to try and keep people calm when somebody is riling shit up like that. It's not a safe place to start shit. And it's never a good thing to make the crew of a flight like that feel nervous. They have jobs to do. People are trying to keep shit together. And here come these agents of chaos. Just fucking shit up. Do you think people are not going to be uncomfortable with the fact that they are up in the air? Several thousands of feet. And you're trying to scare the fucking plane crew? This kind of behavior bothers me so much. It's so upsetting. All those people on that plane, what the hell did they do to have to deal with that shit? There's probably people fucking tired, flying for work, fucking trying to get places. And these assholes jump. Never be this drunk idiot. Never. Okay? I know it seems cool at the time, maybe, but it's really inconsiderate and douchey. And this is not the kind of stuff that's going to make life easier for everybody. You want to fuck shit up for your friends and be a complete asshole to the people you claim to love and stuff and treat them like this and be inconsiderate of their time and their money and the things that they have to do to do what they got to do? Fine. Go fuck with your friends. But when it comes to the wider world, it's so necessary to have some kind of decorum. There are different levels of etiquette for different contexts, and uh, it would probably help everybody to learn what those things are. Like, don't be a drunk, belligerent idiot on a flight. Don't get on a plane like this. Don't be an asshole and ruin something for everybody else. Like, that's a shitty situation too. You spend so much money on a flight, it's already going to be uncomfortable. Flying is not particularly fun. Or cozy. It's a it's strenuous for however long that flight is because you know you're in this pressurized cabin, you're not on the ground. There are so many factors that you're trying to just not pay attention to so you can make it through this flight. This flying chair you're sitting on that's hurtling through the air. Okay? And then some assholes come onto a plane and they're fucking flashing you the dick and stuff. Oh, my God. It doesn't say if there were children on the flight. However, the group's aggressive actions had no bounds, showing absolutely no consideration for the many children... Oh, and there it is. For the many children and families on board that had to endure their grossly unacceptable and offensive language and behavior. Imagine being a grown-up and pulling your dick out on a plane around families. <laughs> oh yeah, that's funny? That's is that supposed to be funny? What is so what is that what compels a person to do that? <clears throat> Dude, what is happening in you that you need to do that? You're pulling your pants down, you're exposing yourself, there's children on the plane. <sighs> this is so embarrassing. This is the most embarrassing part of being human is this shit this is fucking ridiculous eventually the captain decided it was no longer safe to continue the flight dropping 10,000 gallons of fuel in order to land safely in winnipeg the four men were arrested by mounties upon landing on tuesday three of the men were sentenced to two years in prison the fourth man will be in, be behind bars for one year and seven months that's weird. I wonder why. But anyway. There you have it, folks. Talking about honorable men fighting battle and contributing to the amazing lives that we have now, onto the total opposite end of the scale, the the kinds of men that are the reason we cannot have nice things. <laughs> there you go there's the contrast there's your friday junior contrast of the day now you get to choose what kind of person you want to be so let's not be the latter okay let's not be the kind of people who ruin the experiences the already challenging experiences of this modern life let's not let people like this ruin it for us and let's not be on this side of it you don't want to be this person Look at this fucking behavior. Just imagine putting yourself in the person's shoes who's sitting on that plane and has to watch this dumb shit. Imagine you had a long day at work, you had to catch a flight, and then you had to deal with this shit. This shit. (laughs) People fucking ruin shit for people. It is a very sad. Don't be a ruiner, yo. Don't be a ruiner. Stay the fuck out of the way. That's the best advice. If you can't be something positive somewhere, just shh. Be like that Homer Simpson meme where he just slides back into the bushes. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And then he hides and you can't see him anymore. That's it. That's it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Anyways, my friends, to all you listeners... Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and your I appreciate you, motherfucker. I appreciate you. I really do. I hope you have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed your coffee if that's what you're drinking or your tea as the war kettle likes to likes to drink in the morning. I hope it is a day most auspicious for you all. And never forget Never forget the things that people had to endure for us to live the lovely lives that we live with the freedom that we have. There was a lot of sacrifice in our past and we didn't experience it. That's why it's good to be in touch with history, at least a little bit. Because when you do, it's very difficult not to appreciate just the... The amount of human suffering that has happened for us to live like this, nothing about our lives, everything about our lives has cost immense human suffering, immense human suffering. And we take that shit for granted because our lives are easy and we have other shit to worry about like, oh my God, did that person text me back? Or, oh my God, uh, I might have to stop at the store today or blah, 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 blah. Whatever the stupid little thing is, the little luxuries we have, the fact that we can even complain about the stupid shit that we complain about, the fact that we can do that so freely, don't forget the reason we can do those things. It's because a lot of people died. A lot of people died for some asshole to come onto the internet and say some dumb shit. Can't be taken for granted. We're very lucky. We're very lucky. Don't you ever forget it. Okay, cutie face? Don't forget it. You are lucky. I am lucky. And we are lucky. (laughs) (sighs) Huh. There's your pep in the step for your day. I hope it's great for you.
0: Okay? Have a good day. We'll chat soon. Bye!